0: Welcome back to another Halloween episode of HANGIN' HEAVY (laughs) Another episode of Halloween Stories all you ghouls and gals. Ghosts and pals. Today, or this weekend I should say, is Halloween weekend. We're going to put this out Friday, Friday night maybe, and uh, hopefully you guys stay safe this Halloween episode. Is brought to you by, Bobby Ray and your boy Desi Crater. Huh? So if you're looking for something to pass the time, spook someone out, you've come to the right place. <laughs> Welcome to the Halloween episode. The first story we have was posted anonymously and it's simply titled The Candle Man." Over the hill and through the moor, the Candleman comes walking up to your door. He lights up a candle and walks to your bed, leaves the candle in the window and leaves with your head. That's the nursery rhyme my grandma used to tell me when I was young. I remember that little rhyme terrifying me as a child, as I cowered under the covers in the bed at her small country cottage, too scared to sleep. She described him as a tall, pale man in a robe who liked to kill little children. And whenever he killed, grandma would say, in her hushed voice, She would would leave leave a a ghostly ghostly candle candle in their window. At that, she would yell out and make me jump back in fright while she shrieked with laughter. (laughs) The Candleman. Even the name gives me chills. It seemed like such a horrible, scary thing to say to a child. But then again, Grandma was a scary woman. She was small, with weathered skin and cruel, sunken eyes that always seemed to glare at me. After Grandpa died, she hardly ever left her house, just sat in her rocking chair, telling stories of the Candleman, and taking delight in my fear, laughing madly when I jumped. (laughs) I found her such a disgusting woman. Anyway, when I grew up, I learned that it wasn't her fault, really. Grandpa's death had shaken her, messed with her head. She didn't know what was appropriate anymore. Grandpa was only alive when I was a baby and I never knew him, but I learned when I was older how much he had meant to my grandmother. Without him, she had been broken. (sighs) She died when I was 13 and I guess it didn't really come to me as much of a shock. She was incredibly old and frail. Now I'm 30 with a wife and a little girl. We have a comfortable suburban home and I couldn't be happier. There has been one thing that's shaken me up recently, however. It was a silly thing, but it still scared the hell out of me. A nightmare. In the dream, I was in my bedroom, comfy under the covers, when I heard a tune being played on the piano downstairs. I knew it was being played as soon as I heard it. The Candleman. My goosebumps ran up my arm and up to my neck, and ice filled my stomach. I sprinted down the narrow staircase into the living room where I saw a tall, pale figure in a robe holding a candle, leaving through the open door. The candle man. He was about six foot four or five, with dead-looking beady eyes and a wide, evil grin. I woke up suddenly in a cold sweat, turned on the light, and read until I was ready to sleep again. I put the dream down to too many drinks and the coming of Halloween, but it freaked me out anyway. And that takes me up to yesterday, Halloween night. I was trudging back from a party, not drunk, I don't drink, but still woozy from tiredness. I thrust my hands into my pockets for warmth whilst I was walking back through the orange crisp leaves. The poem of the Candleman popped into my head. My heart began to thud as I walked down the poorly lit street, leaves crunching underfoot, the pale moon casting long shadows along the path. In my mind's eye, I could see the Candleman, thin and ghostly, running up to me and cutting off my head in one swing of an axe. Silly, I know, but the dark can make my imagination run wild sometimes. I arrived on my road and began to calm down. I felt silly for having let the poem get to me again. I knew I was perfectly safe under the streetlights. As I arrived at my front yard, I noticed a tall man in a robe standing at the end of the street, but his face was shrouded in the darkness. He appeared to be staring at me. Once again, images of the candle man flooded through my head, sending my heartbeat into overdrive. I shook it off. It's just the tall man out for Halloween. There's nothing to be scared of, I assured myself as I attempted to slow my breathing. Then I looked up at my house, hearing demonic laughter from the man's direction. An icicle of terror stabbed at my heart. There, in my daughter's window, flickering softly, was a candle. This story is brought by none other than your boy, Desecrator. And I'm gonna title it, What Did I See That Night? Growing up, my family moved around a lot. So, being in a new place wasn't completely terrifying to me as a child. But I'll never forget the first night I spent in the house that I still live in. So, as a kid, packing up all your stuff in the boxes, putting it into a U-Haul truck, should seem weird or uncomfortable. Everyone's afraid of the unknown. But we moved around so much as kids that it became kind of a game. Who could unpack and finish their room the fastest. Now, moving into this new house, we knew it was gonna be a two story house. I've never had my own room up until this point. So, having my own freedom, let alone on a different floor, seemed like a joy to me. So, we packed all of our belongings. All of our personal items. And we set off to the new and the uncharted. Now, we rented a truck. And since it was only my family, we had to pay someone to bring another truck. So, one truck I mean like the family vehicle. And then the U-Haul. So, the U-Haul... We had to pay somebody to drive it over. The moving company, you know? So, we're here unpacking all that we can. And trying to make an empty house a home. And, uh, as a kid, the fascination of the new. The fascination of something new or somewhere new is an adrenaline rush. It's this. It's got what plants crave. So moving into a new place, it always has that feeling of, oh, what are we going to find? Did anyone leave anything? Is there anything cool in the backyard? So we're playing around and I'm with my nephews. My sister decided to help us move. And my nephews are around my age. So we were charting this uncharted territory together as kids blindly not seeing the signs. Of we're not alone. As the day goes through. Uh, nighttime comes. And it's dark. And everything that we've unpacked so far. Has only been for the downstairs. Drawers. Uh, cabinets. TVs. Radios. Clothes. But none of the good stuff. None of the stuff that's mine. So, we decide to make games out of what we can do and being the first time being in a two-story house, we make a game of climbing up the stairs like commandos. It wasn't until that night, when everyone was going to bed, again our beds weren't there. It was just some furniture and the dishes. We ate, but we forgot the silverware in the truck, so we ate like savages that night. So us being the raucous kids that we were stayed up, and we noticed something. We could hear almost a conversation. So me and my nephew climbed up the stairs like we did throughout the day, and we came up to the crest of the stairs and where my bedroom is now the door was closed and under the door you could see light flickering almost like as if a TV was left on and we could hear talking or speech again like if someone had a TV left on as the light flickered from underneath the door the only one haunting thing that I'll never forget thinking is We don't even have electricity. This next story is brought to you by Daniel Z Miller and it's called Backwards. You wake up to a text one morning. It's 7.03. You blink sleepily. It's from your best friend, Tom. The message reads, "Hey." Do you want to hang out sometime today? I'm free whenever. You blink at your phone and then send him a response. Yeah, I can be there around 10. With that, you turn your phone off, roll over, and go back to sleep. When you wake up, the clock beside you reads 9.26. Instinctively, you check your phone. You have a text. Cool. See you then. It's from Tom, of course, so you roll out of bed to begin your day. You have some breakfast, throw on a pair of jeans and a comfortable shirt, a red one with the word Adidas spelled boldly across the front, and you head out the door. You have known Tom for a very long time. He's a good friend of yours, and you have a lot in common. He loves music, is into photography, and is, in general, a very laid back person. Today should be a good day. You pull up at his house, and once the car stops, you text him. Can I come through the front? I guess so. Are you here? Yes. Oh, okay. Come on in. With this response, you head on through the door of Tom's house. Slightly confused about the conversation, once inside, you call to him. Hey, what's going on? I don't know. You tell me. What's up? The response comes from the kitchen, where you find Tom sitting and eating cereal. You want some? He asks. You shrug and grab a bowl from the cupboard. As you fill it, you ask him, What's going on, man? His mouth is full, so he responds with a, Hmm? You asked me to come over. What's up? He looks genuinely confused for a moment, but then starts to laugh. Oh, yeah, I know. I was just messing with you back there. Okay, well, cool. Any particular reason I'm here, man? Not really, I guess I just wanted to hang out. Nice. So what do you want to watch, a movie or something? Yeah, if you want, it's up to you. You're the guest. As he says this, you notice something peculiar about his shirt. It's clearly supposed to say Walt Disney underneath a blue castle, but the words are backwards. You question him about this and he responds quickly. Oh, this, it's not really Disney. I think they reversed the word so they wouldn't infringe on copyright or something. I don't know. I got it from Walmart. He laughs again, which is odd because you don't find anything particularly funny. It's a nervous laugh. You forgive this and chuckle with him. Okay, that's weird. Well, do you want to... No, it's not weird. It's just the way about the shirt. He interrupts you sharply with this thought. Catches you off guard. Oh, I know it is. It's just kind of funny, that's all. There's an awkward pause. You speak again. So, do you wanna watch a movie? Sure, pick something out of my Netflix. I'm gonna grab some more cereal. You move to his TV and turn it on. You know how to operate it since you've been over here pretty much every other day all summer. You find a movie, sit on the couch, and scoot to the right to make room for Tom, who plops down beside you. You're more concerned with him than you are with the film, though. Is there something wrong? You look over at him to see if you can discern any noticeable distress. He seems to be enjoying the movie well enough, but... You blink. Something isn't right about his face. After looking closely, you realize what it is. There's a mole on his cheek just beneath his right eye. You know that he has a mole on his face, but you realize that it should be on the other side. You look away and then look back. Are you imagining it? You must be imagining it. Moles don't just move around like that. You must be mistaken. You go back to watching the film, but you are eventually drawn back to his face. You couldn't be imagining it. That spot was on the other side. A quick glance at a family picture on the wall confirms your suspicion, but you're not quite sure what to do with this information. You try to forget it and go back to watching the film but your sense of unease grows. You have the irrational thought that Tom has been altered somehow. That someone has taken him apart and put him back together but made a mistake somewhere. You try to shake the feeling. Tom gets up from his spot besides you for more cereal. Which is nothing odd, he's always been able to put away at least 4 bowls of Captain Crunch. He comes back in with the box and pours it into his bowl. You blink. He then proceeds to pour milk over the cereal. You can't put your finger on why this is making you so uncomfortable. He lifts his spoon and uses it to carry the cereal from the bowl to his mouth, and you realize what's wrong. He's using his right hand. He should be using his left. Tom is left-handed. Why isn't he using his left hand? You feel an incredible wave of insecurity wash over you, but you can't look away. He notices you staring. What? He says, in a more threatening tone than you'd expect to hear. Nothing, I am. You get up from the couch. I really need to go to the bathroom. You begin to move towards the stairs. You can't use the bathroom! Don't use the bathroom! Tom shouts in a dangerously urgent tone. You hear him get up from the couch hurriedly. You move faster. determined to get away and get to the bathroom. Stop! He yells after you. He's running now. Don't go in there! You sprint to the bathroom door, slam it shut, and lock it. You turn around, expecting to be standing in between his two bathroom mirrors, but are greeted with a different sight. The mirror above the sink is smashed. On the ground lays Tom face up with the words, Walt Disney, written correctly on his shirt. The mole is on the left side of his face, but he's not moving. You're about to shout something when you hear the sound of glass shattering behind you. Upon turning around, you see a figure springing through the newly broken mirror that hangs on the wall. And the last thing you see before everything goes dark is the word Adidas spelled backwards across its bright red shirt. This next story is from Devin Hoover and it's called Don't Wear Contacts from New Life Vision. I don't know about everyone else, but I've always had terrible vision. Generally it gets worse from year to year, but there are some years I'm able to skip the decay. I wear contact lenses because I've tried to avoid the nerd stigma my whole life. I'm not entirely sure the contacts help though, but I prefer them regardless. This year my vision had definitely gotten worse. I could tell just by trying to read words from afar, I'm almost out of contact lenses as well. so. It was the time to go see my optometrist. The visit went as usual, doing a bunch of vision tests, getting bright lights shined in my eyes, and trying to guess what letter the big blur was once he asked me to take out my contacts. As suspected, my vision had indeed gotten worse. When I asked the doctor about ordering new contacts, he offered me a strange proposal. This may seem weird, but I just received a new shipment of contacts today. This new company sent me an experimental set of contacts. To be blunt, I'm looking for a guinea pig to try them on. That was a bit weird. New contacts? Do they match my prescription? I said, a bit confused. That's the thing. Apparently, these contacts auto-adjust to the person wearing them. I have no clue how it works, but if it does, it would be an incredible stride for optometry. Your new contacts will take a few days to get here anyway, but if these work, you could be back to perfect vision today. The doctor. I didn't like the idea of being a human guinea pig, especially after all the TV and movies I've watched where experiments don't quite end very well. On the other hand, this sounded incredible. Contacts that automatically adjust to your eyes? I was just curious to see if such a thing existed. In the end, curiosity won out. I'll try them, I said. My optometrist quickly left the room with a grin and returned a few minutes later with a small box in one hand and a piece of paper in the other, which I quickly learned what the paper was for. I'm gonna need you to sign this waiver. Like I said, they are experimental. Well, it looks like I won't be getting a big payday if something goes wrong, I thought as I signed the waiver. After getting that out of the way, the doctor set the box in front of me. New life vision, it read, hoping you see a new outlook on life. What a cheesy slogan, I thought, as I restrained myself from laughing out loud. I opened the small box and pulled out the even smaller two containers from within. If you've ever worn contacts before, you know what these containers look like. I was easily able to put both contacts in within a span of 30 seconds. At first, it seemed like they didn't work. My vision was a blurry as it always is without contacts. After blinking a few times, however, they started to become clear. After a few seconds passed, and I blinked a few more times, they... they worked. My vision was absolutely perfect. This is amazing, I said out loud, without even realizing it. So they work then? The doctor asked questioningly. Yeah, they work perfectly. I might even have better than 20-20 vision now, I stammered out. The doctor laughed at this. He ran a few more tests to make sure (laughs) the lenses were working right and I passed them all with flying colors. Well, you're free to go. The lenses seem to be working just fine. Just be sure to check back in in a couple of days. Oh, and uh, one last thing, he said as he pulled out a few folded pieces of paper stapled together neatly. I'm supposed to give you these. They're instructions for the contacts. Anyway, have a good day. Why would I ever need instructions for contacts? I've never needed instructions before. I figured it was probably just notes on the contacts since they were experimental, so I accepted the papers. Once I got back to my car, I quickly stuffed the papers into my center console and went home. My first day with the contacts was incredible. As I had told the doctor, I'm pretty sure my vision surpassed even 2020 now. Everything was so much more clear and focused. Colors even stood out more. I was almost hesitant when I removed them to go to sleep that night. I was actually a bit worried that the lenses wouldn't work the next day when I put them in, but just as before, after a few seconds, they worked more than perfect. Most of the day went as normal, but something kept bugging me. You know that feeling when you swear you see something out of the corner of your eye, but when you turn and look there's nothing there? Well that feeling persisted for most of the day, but other than that it was all fine. For the 3rd straight day, I woke up to put on my new miracle contacts. It was Saturday, so I would have had the contacts for the rest of the weekend at least. I would report back to the eye doctor on Monday. The nagging feeling that I had felt the previous day was even gone. I guess I had just been imagining things. Or so I thought. Once again the day went on like any other until I decided to venture out to get some food. I had gone to my favorite burger joint and gotten some carryout. I really don't like sitting in restaurants. As I was driving home, I never took my eyes off the road, not even for one quick text. A few blocks from my house, though, I did blink. A simple human action. In the time it took for that single blink to occur, there was now a man standing in the road. I slammed on the brakes, sending my food flying from the passenger seat. The hood of my car was only inches from the man upon complete stop. I was about to jump out of my car and ask the man what the hell he was doing. But that was before I got a better look. I'm not sure I could call this thing a man. It was incredibly tall, at least seven or eight feet, but it was scrunched over like golem. It was also extremely slender, as if it were malnourished. Its skin was incredibly pale, almost completely white. Its head was to the side, as if it were turning to look at me. I blinked once more, and it was gone. Of course there was no one else around to tell me if there was actually something there or if I was just insane, so I drove home to enjoy the rest of my meal that wasn't splattered all across the dashboard. I took the contacts out and went to bed early that night. Even though it was Saturday, I figured I might just be sleep deprived. It would just be better for me to rest. I also skipped putting in the contacts the next morning in favor for an old pair of glasses but the allure of the contacts was too much. It was Sunday, so of course that meant lazing around flipping between football games. After a few hours of doing essentially nothing, I let out a yawn, closing my eyes in the process. When I opened my eyes, there was another figure in front of me. This one was short, probably about 4 feet tall. It too was hunched over, with the same slender pale body. Its back was to me, so once again I couldn't see a face. I almost completely closed my eyes in fear. When I gathered my courage to look again, just like before, the figure was gone. I wasn't certain this was the solution at the time, but I sprinted to the bathroom anyway and removed the contacts. That's when I remembered. The instructions. After removing the contacts, I stormed out of my car and retrieved the instructions I had ignored before. These instructions read out a few guidelines that I was meant to follow. Here's what it read. If you begin to see figures, simply ignore them and blink once. They should disappear. If a figure appears in front of you, do not look at its face. Under no circumstances should you wear the contact lenses for more than 24 hours at a time. Should you break any of these guidelines, new life vision bears no responsibility for any trauma you may suffer, as outlined in the waiver you signed beforehand. That was essentially the most important parts of the paper. If I had read this before, I would have never even warned the contacts. I immediately threw them away. There's something I haven't told you yet. I left out part of my story, mostly because I don't want to relive it, but I think it serves as an important warning, you see. When I went to remove the contacts, I saw another figure. It was standing behind me when I looked in the mirror. The head was right next to mine and I saw its face. I won't describe what I saw but just know it still haunts me to this day. These are more than just contact lenses. They will correct your vision and help you see better than you ever saw before. However there are some things we aren't meant to see in this world. Something our eyes haven't evolved to block out for our own good. I never wore the contacts for more than 8 hours. I can only imagine what would have happened if someone were to ignore the 24-hour guidelines. Even now, I haven't worn the contact in weeks, but I sometimes swear I still see those figures out of the corners of my eyes. I've considered gouging my eyes out, but it wouldn't help. When I close my eyes, they're still there. Please take my advice. If your eye doctor offers you to try some new contact lenses from New Life Vision, just say no. This final story is brought to you by Papi Ray. And he just called it
1: The Incident. This experience that happened to me when I was younger, I was like 10 years old. It was late at night, like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. I lay in bed. And my bed was next to the window, and where my room is, the like the window is uh, the side of the yard is there. Like if you, it will the side that it will lead to the back. Like, you go through there, and it will lead to the backyard, like outside the window. Like so, anything that passes through, I could hear it. So it's was really late, and I don't know where you could hear at first sounded like cats fucking you know that fucked up noise and I thought it was that but it sounded far away at first and it was like coming towards towards like the gate or the window or whatever and I was like Whoa, that's weird and you kept hearing it I kept hearing it then you could hear something was climbing the fence and we had like a six foot high fence and I'm going around the whole house and you can hear somebody climbing it i was like what the fuck and you can hear where somebody lands on my side of the yard before this we, we have people try to break in our house so I was freaking out a little bit I was just hearing all the then you could hear the noise the, the, the footsteps kind of and you could, at the same time, you still hear the cat noise still. And then on that side of our house, the backyard door or side door was broken. Like it was in hinge right. So you had to pick it up to even open it. So I hear that. And I was like, okay, somebody there trying to leave or open the door for somebody, I don't know. And, and so I kind of get up and then the, the noise was even louder. It was really loud. And I freaked out even more. So I get out of my room, and my house, I, when, when I walk out of my room, as soon as you walk out of my room, you can see uh, it's like it's, it's where all the rooms are at in my house, like my, my two other sisters and my parents, and my room's right in the middle. So I walk out, I guess I made noise when I opened my door, then my sisters came out they're like are you you're like do we all hear this this weird it was in front of our house now you could hear it like if it was whatever was making the noise it was in front of our house walking back and forth and we were freaking out but we couldn't see through our windows because our bushes are really high but we couldn't see what was in front of our house so we hear it and it's me two, three of my sisters and one of my sisters a husband, and he's probably like 20 years old around this time. And I'm like 10 or 11, give or take. So, when you walk towards the entrance of my house, you want to like ring the doorbell, it's a long hallway, a long, tall hallway. So, if you're ever in that hallway, if you say something loud enough, it echoes. So, that whatever was making that noise, you could hear it coming down the hallway to her front door. And me and my brother-in-law walk down the hallway to our front door. And we could hear it's literally in front of our door. Then it stops. You don't hear the noise no more. Then we used to have a bad habit of not locking our front door. And we're like, what the fuck? I went in and locked it. Then you hear the doorbell ring. Oh, they like, what the fuck? The next thing is, you hear a little girl's voice and ask for my niece. It's in my niece's name, or like, is that our neighbor's little daughter? She's probably like seven years old, six years old. Like, I couldn't imagine it. Her doing all that. Then yeah, we didn't hear anything. And at this point, my sisters were all freaking out. They called our front neighbors. They. Yeah, they w- woke up the front neighbors, telling them, do they see anything in front of the house? They say no. They're like, we're just going to call the cops. So they end up calling the cops. It didn't take that long for the cops to come over. And we tell them that, I don't know, we just tell them what happened. And they're like, oh. And they're like, well, do you guys have any problems with your neighbors? Do you see any, like child abuse or anything we're like no, no. you know like the kids how the kids play with my niece like well we found the little girl just like passed out or sitting down in front of their house just outside so i like what because not only that when everything was over you know the cops just woke up their parents and gave their kids back i was walking when we we're outside and i like look at the grass we didn't cut the grass so the grass was pretty high and I like like whatever was in front of the house doing that noise, if it was liquor or not, like she wasn't walking. It looked like she was like sliding. Cause there's no like like you know when you step on the grass, you lift one footprint and then the other one. It was like like it was something was being dragged.
0: Well <laughs> that's Gonna be it for today's episode of Hangin' Heavy. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Stay safe. Much love. And rich and rare. <laughs>